welcome to Keep Calm and Homeschool On. My name is Rebecca, homeschool mom of five young children who was homeschooled herself, and today's episode is actually going to be about homeschooling. I know, right? Everyone's shocked for a minute. Everyone's just like, oh. I mean, first of all, the fact that Rebecca's voice is here recorded is just shocking in and of itself because I'm a big fat liar and keep saying I'm going to podcast and then I don't. Um, secondly, we're all shocked that I'm going to be talking about homeschooling, but just pre-warning you, I'm sure God's going to sneak in there somewhere. So just, just wait for it. Anyways, coffee, 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 um, tea, whatever, something to drink, maybe do dishes. If I can be your motivation for cleaning, I'm like, you know what? That's great. Cause I'm not my own motivation for cleaning. So let me be someone else's and let my life serve that purpose. I think that would just be fantastic purpose. <sighs> Let's get started. All right. So you guys are in for a real treat today. And I, I'm not just saying that. I feel like this is like going to be my best podcast episode of the year. And the reason is, is that I had a moment this week. I had a moment when I was actually doing a live video and I finished doing my live video and came around the corner and found my husband going through bins and bins of all of our memorabilia, um, pictures, family photos, just important special things to my life. And he was taking them outside to a storage container. And I, being the mature adult I am, got a little emotional, okay, and a little bit upset because I'm worried that all of my stuff is going to get destroyed. And then when I was going through bins trying to desperately save items from my husband's clutches, I found lots of my pictures that were destroyed, that were, you know, crusted together and I was trying to rip apart and just memories and photos and things that were destroyed and ripped and they just weren't stored properly. And over the years of moving and moving and moving and moving, turns out that that has not been kind to our our memories. So I am a very, um, what's the word guys? My brain's not on a great wave right now. I am absolutely exhausted and killing myself working around the clock, which is why I'm not podcasting. But um, I want to say sympathetic, but I am, uh, I love, I love things. Sentimental. There we go. I am very sentimental. Things mean a lot to me. And if I let myself think about how fast time has gone, if I let myself look at pictures even of my kids, I just start crying. In fact, I prefer to not look at memories. Like, you know what? Let's keep them hidden in a basement somewhere because it's easier for me to live. I'm a live in the present person. That's why I accomplish so much. I'm living in the now. I'm doing right now. I don't look backwards. I don't look forwards. I just do. I'm like the Energizer Bunny. Just keep doing. Just keep doing. Okay? That's me. And so when I look back, I just get really emotional. So I got emotional. I was sitting there crying. It wrecked my day. I got not one work thing accomplished. I literally like cried. I was like curled up in a fetal position. My kids were like, what is wrong with mom? Well, mom's struggling with letting go of memories. Okay. And the fact that she doesn't remember a lot and the pictures are getting destroyed. So anyways, something good happened out of this though. The good thing that happened is while I was going through all of these boxes, I found some files that my mom had saved, these folders, and they were full of my own schoolwork when I was a kid. Now, I started off this podcast episode, if you're new to my podcast, if you've never heard me before, I ramble and I talk really fast, um, but I was homeschooled myself, and so I was looking through these things, and I was like, I was, I was taking them out of the boxes that were going out, because I'm like, I'm going to show the kids, and now I feel like I have and I've accomplished my purpose. Anyways, I'm going through these files and there were so many things, so much that was 
prompted. I just, I felt like I could do five podcast episodes from this. Like I just got so worked up. I, I, I have so much to talk to you guys about. I found old report cards. I found assessments people had made about me. I found my own writing samples. And so I can look back and see. And, and I, so many things were going through my head. I'm looking through writing samples and the age stamp that is on those and thinking, oh my goodness, my kids are not quite meeting my expectations. Okay. So, so I mean, I had that going through my head. I, I was reading through assessments of me and my own report cards and I had that going through my head. I mean, there were so many things that were happening and I can tell you that what's going to happen from today's podcast episode is I'm actually going to read you some of the things and you are going to want to go to my blog, which is homeschoolon.com and I am going to post these pictures. I took pictures of them. They're not high quality. I didn't try to make them pretty or perfect. I snapped them on my phone and it was getting late. So whatever, we're just going to leave it and be fast about it because otherwise I will never, ever post this. But you get to see for yourself. And I, I know a couple things are going to happen. Number one, we're going to talk about how we assess. And I say this enough, how do we know it's enough? How we assess our, our children or a measure of success with homeschooling, with education, with the school system, and how I think that it is so incredibly broken, the way that we are measuring or holding our kids to account and what that even means. So I want to talk more about that today based on where I am today, based on where I was then, and based on the feedback and, and the report cards and the, the things that people spoke over me for my life. But I also know this. I... I know that looking back at all those things that people said about me, looking back at at areas I was strong in, looking back at areas I was weak in, I know that there's a couple things that are going to happen from today's podcast episode, if you bear with me. And it's just going to be, I'm literally going to read my own writing. <laughs> but I, I think that we're going to walk away from this with a sense of, um, with a sense of relief and that this is all going to be okay and that your kids are going to be fine and I'm going to prove to you that your kids are going to be fine and that what you see today is not a marker for them for the rest of their life. That is one of the things that I hope that you're going to walk away from. And secondly, the value of this, the value of why you are doing this and the value of what you get to offer your kids on both sides, which I, I don't want to get too much into because I'm going to get into, but I know that if you bear with me through today's episode, through my very fast talking, because I am trying to get this done, um, my kids are all over the place. It is not late at night because I keep saying I'm going to podcast late at night. And then I can't. I'm so physically exhausted at 12 and 1 in the morning. So I'm doing it earlier and it's it's going to be a little noisier. So just prepare yourself for that. But bear with me because I really do think this is a treasure of an episode. And now everyone's like, stop introducing it and do it. So here I am. Okay. So the very first picture that I took was, so I was homeschooled in Calgary, Alberta was my first area. And in Alberta, the way it worked back then, I don't know exactly how it works now. This is in Canada, by the way. But basically, you could homeschool, but you had to have an assessor come to your house and assess your children. And so we had an assessor come, and I found her remarks about me. And I thought this is super, super interesting. So I was six when she came. And she said, Rebecca is a young grade one student. I was young because I was already a grade ahead at this point. She has some obvious strengths, especially reading. Rebecca does need more individualized program than what she received this year. She's in need for more repetition of concepts before mastery is obtained. Her program um, next year will strive to meet those needs. Rebecca also has a weakness in writing. Wait, wait, wait. I want to highlight this. Rebecca has a weakness in writing because I'm going to read you a sample from a six-year-old, which clearly, I mean, is horrific, horrific spelling and everything, but um, my six-year-old doesn't know her letters and sounds. So I I think that either standards have changed. 
Anyways, okay, I'm digressing. Um, Rebecca has a weakness in writing. This was spoken over me, who is now a writer. I write curriculum. I write books. This is what I do for a living. Anyways, she needs to develop her form as well as content. Oh, snap. This weakness is due in part to a lack of emphasis upon this area in the program. However, with additional work over the summer and some repetition next year, Rebecca will be capable of performing up to her grade level. Well, thank you very much, whoever you are. As indicated by the test results of the CTBS, Rebecca is performing adequately, however, not up to the standards desired by her parents. I'm sure my parents didn't say that. Rebecca is very keen and eager to learn, and that, coupled with a more specific program next year, will no doubt result in excellent achievement. Okay. This is the kind of thing that if this was written about my child, I would just, it, it makes me mad. It makes my blood boil. And I do. I see this kind of stuff all the time. And it's just one of those things I just write off. My kids are never going to see it. I never saw this. I never even knew this existed. I was six years old. I had a fun little person come over and I got to read to them and show them how smart I was. And then they went away. So I was fine from this. I was in scarred. Everything's okay. But I want, first of all, let's start with this as the base marker. I was six years old. I was homeschooled. I was in grade one. I was already a grade ahead and I was already being told that I was weak. I was not meeting expectations. I was below average. I taught myself to read when I was four. My mom says that she did nothing. She did not teach me. I taught myself. I was so determined. I taught myself to read when I was four and I wrote in everything I could possibly write in. Now, again, I'm going to read you. I'm going to skip forward to it. And I'm going to read you um, a couple of things. Let's see here. This was this. Well, no, that would have been OK. That would have been when I was seven. So let's skip, 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 skip. I'm on my phone. I'm going to post all of this stuff. You guys It's going to be epic. You get to see it all. OK, I can't even read my own writing. I mean, I can. I'll post that. I'll post my actual writing. But my mom typed it. Thank you, mom. <laughs> Teresa and the Bible. Once upon a time, there lived a little girl whose name was Teresa. She lived with her grandma and grandpa. One morning, Grandma was drinking her coffee when all of a sudden the fire bell rang. Oh my, said Grandma. What shall I do? She asked. Teresa came down with a bucket of water. Grandpa was still asleep. Teresa found out, for she looked around her and didn't see Grandpa. And it was very early in the morning, so she went to find him. Just then, Teresa saw that Grandma's Bible was going to burn. Teresa couldn't wait any more, so she ran right into the fire and got the Bible. Later, when they moved, Teresa told Grandma and Grandpa all about it. Grandma smiled at Teresa. Teresa, she said, yeah, I want to give you our Bible. Teresa looked in amazement. Thanks, she said. And from now on, Teresa read her Bible every day, and they all lived happily ever after the end. Okay, so I was, I mean, yeah, form, whatever. I mean, is that well organized? No, uh, I was six. I was six. So I'm looking at this writing and first of all, like so many thoughts are going through my head. I'm like, that's not that bad for a six-year-old. Secondly, I'm looking at my own children and thinking, <laughs> I showed this to my kids. Here's what I did. I showed this to my kids and I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, the writing and the spelling, it's, it's absolutely terrible. I'm trying to like decipher it like I still do with you. Okay, and you're not six. How old are you? And I start comparing my children's writing to myself. This is what all good parents should do. Go and find history of yourself and then compare it to your kids and be like, you know, back in my day. Okay, that's what I totally, I totally pulled that. My kids, by the way, this wasn't like some deep, dark moment in our history. They thought this was hilarious. We had a wonderful afternoon. See, I kind of cried it all out and then I moved on. Okay, 
So what happened after that is the next year, my parents put my brother and I in school. They left out my older sister. The other one wasn't even born yet, I don't think. No, yeah, he was. He was a baby. Anyways, and so there's six of us, by the way. Six, yeah. Um, so my sister was home and I was in school. It was just up the road and over the corner and there. Like we lived just underneath the school. It was maybe a 10 minute walk. And my brother and I would walk together. He was in kindergarten. I was in grade two. And I remember I'm a grade ahead at this point. So they put us in school and every day we would walk. And every single day, my little brother would cry. He would cry and cry and cry. He didn't want to go. He wanted to be home with mommy and daddy. And and I would be the strong one and I'd hold his hand and I would take him to school. Well, one day he was so upset. He just could not get over it. And my, my only memories of school, I was only there. We'll talk more about this. I was only there for a very short time in grade two, but... My memories of school was being very confused. I actually thought I did, as an adult looking back, I remember asking my mom and saying, did I do terribly in school? Because I remember sitting in the little desks and just always being confused. Like, why are we doing it this way? But why? But why? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. The the systems, this, the ways, the waiting, the, like it, there was so many things about it that were just, it was so different. I was used to doing and going at my own pace. My mom would, would order curriculum, which by the way was from Rebecca. I would rip into it and I would do my books sometimes in a matter of months. Like I loved school. I was the biggest keener that exists. The smell of paper still to this day just, just fills me with joy. Okay. So that's who I was. Even as a child, that's who I was. So, so I I took my brother's hand and I walked into school and I remember going in, taking him to his class and he just was, he did not want to let go of me. He was just like, just wanted, he, he was so upset. He was so, so, so upset. So I said, okay, no problem. I'm going to stay with you. And so I told his teacher that I was allowed to be the teacher's helper that day. I was his older sister and I was allowed to be the teacher's helper. Now in retrospect, I don't really know why this teacher didn't have a little red flag going off in her head. Um, I said I was totally allowed to be there. Everything was fine. I was determined. I'm sure I knew that that was wrong, but I was determined that I it was the right thing to do because my brother was so upset and I was going to help him. I remember they had all these little stations set up and I was great with kids. I was so, so good with them. And so I was helping them at this station with the with the Play-Doh and with this station with the water. And I was there for my brother. I was his helper. Meanwhile, pandemonium pneumonium is breaking out all over the world because my parents think that I have been abducted. Remember, we walked to school. This is back in the day, kids who are listening, when life was safe, relatively, but there was still fear because it still wasn't totally safe. Okay, so my the school has called my parents saying, Rebecca's not at school today. What's going on? Where's our little tally mark? Like, is she sick? What's going on? And my mom is like, yes, she is. She walked with her brother to school. And so everyone is freaking out. (laughs) Everyone is looking for me. And I'm totally fine. I'm like, I saw nothing wrong with it because I knew what I was doing was right because I was, I was doing what I needed to for my brother, whom I loved very much. Well, after this, my parents pulled my brother out. And so I was now going to school on my own. They just realized this is not working for him. (laughs) And so they pulled him out and I was going on my own. And I remember now feeling sad. Now I was the only one. Um, It was easy to be strong when I was being strong for my brother. But I really just began to, now I was the one getting emotional leaving. And so, um... I, this is the next thing I'm going to read to you guys. So around this time, we lasted maybe, I don't know, maybe half the year. I guess we lasted till Christmas. 
and then my mom decided to my parents decided to pull me out so I have a letter here that my mom typed up and just said thank you so much for the input you've had in Rebecca's life in the last four months our decision to remove her was very difficult we feel in the long run it will be better for Rebecca please do not take this personal um, or a statement against your school our decision is based on what we believe to be good for both Becca and our children that was my name child Becca Becca boo <laughs> I know Rebecca will miss her time in class with you and her friends and that both of us will continue to remember you in our prayers thank you again for your positive attitude blah 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 um anyways so this is my mom sends that I write a letter to my teacher <laughs> this must have been before I was pulled out to Mrs. Kelly I like going to school I'm sorry my mom came on the wrong day how are you school's fun next year I want to be in homeschool <laughs> love Rebecca like what kind of a letter is that I like school next year I want to be homeschooled <laughs> poor teacher <laughs> oh, oh look there was a computers class this was probably my only experience with computers because my parents did not let us do anything till we were like teenagers all about Rebecca so again I'm seven I like to sing I make up the songs. Still do to this day, guys. It is fun to write on the Tandy computers. I don't even know what that is. What's a Tandy computer? I like makeup. <laughs> I am six years old. And I lost six teeth. Computer is my favorite project. To mom and dad. Love, Rebecca. Okay, I was still six there. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so later in this folder, I almost did not see this. I found it at the very last minute. I found a letter from my dad who my dad, both my parents are actually writers, but my dad specifically was one of the greater influences of writing in my life. And um, you'll see that in his letter, but he wrote a letter to the principal about why they were pulling me out. And this gives a lot more insight into it. Okay. Dear sir, we wish to inform you of our decision to withdraw our daughter Rebecca from attendance at your school and grade two class. Approximately one month ago, we also withdrew our son from your school to allow him some time to mature. Our decision to withdraw Rebecca is not based upon the same reason as this. On the contrary, this choice has been made on academics. Rebecca has proven to be a highly motivated child in her desire to learn. She evidenced this when she taught herself to read from sheer determination at age four. During the first half of the school year, Rebecca has not only participated and done well in her daily school lessons, she has also kept up with her homeschool studies for grade two. <laughs> She has had no encouragement or demand upon her to do so. She has again chosen to learn all she can on her own. This strength is a positive one, providing it is kept in check to match her emotional development. We have lately, however, seen an attitude change that concerns us. <laughs> she is beginning to vent her frustration and boredom with reduced emphasis on reading and arithmetic. She has also measured herself against her, prepare, her peers Sorry, this like kids are flushing toilets and our pumps going on and yeah, anyways. And determined she must be smarter than the average bear. This view is not only a natural and does not cause us as much concern as does her attitude towards working to her best ability. It is proven to be easy for a person to become lazy with a lack of challenge or expectations. Um anyways, let's see. There are benefits. Uh you know what? I'm gonna read the whole thing because this is this is this is my dad's defense of homeschooling. When we last met, we discussed this matter in detail, going into specifics of why we chose to homeschool our children. The benefits we have experienced include the one-to-one -one environment my wife is able to provide, combined with the tendency of alternate curriculums to encourage self-motivation. There are also benefits in a strengthened family unit, a goal we have placed at the top of our priorities. Our choice to send Rebecca to your school for one year was not a casual one, nor flippantly made. Our decision comes after much consideration and counsel. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. 
It was only after re-examining our commitment to education and to our children that we realized she has much to gain by returning home. The example we set for our children is one to be taken seriously and what we choose for them must be reflected in our lives in a positive way. We have not worried that Rebecca is suffering some major setback by attending CMES and some of the social aspects have proven very constructive in our confidence and independence levels. Your school programs and teachers are not suspect to us. Rebecca has established several friendships that have taught her much, including that which she has with her teacher. We wish to implement this decision immediately and we'll start her in homeschool studies for the first of the new year. And that our older daughter Jessica is registered under blah, blah, blah. We will also enroll Rebecca there for the remainder of the year. Um, our interest is a closer affiliation with your school is still important for us for reasons include the very proximity of your facility. So basically my parents were arguing for and wanting to have more collaboration between homeschoolers and the school because they were there and, you know, things that we still fight for, for the, to this day. But I found this letter incredibly interesting because it gave more insight. My favorite part was definitely that I basically, basically they pulled me out because A, I was bored. I was doing school there and school at home, but also that I was starting to get this idea, this complex that because it was so easy, because I was going so fast and because they couldn't keep up with me, therefore I was smart. I mean, really, what an incredible reason to pull your kid out of school. We're not pulling her out for any reason other than the fact that we're worried that her character is suffering. We're worried that she's going to have an idea that she's smart, that we don't necessarily want her having this unhealthy ideation about herself. I thought that was probably one of the most fascinating things and not something that I had seen the full impact of. I remembered being pulled out. I knew I was pulled out and I was, I was, I was homeschooled again. And I had no idea that the main motivation behind that was not just so that I could keep up with my school and go self-paced. My parents let me be self-paced. That was one thing that they did. But also so that I did not have this unhealthy view. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Okay, so fast forward. Um, I was homeschooled and we ended up moving. We moved to uh, British Columbia. And at this point, I was now two grades ahead. So I jumped in. Um, I, that's where I graduated when I just turned 16. Okay, So somehow over the years, basically, I was a bit ahead because of when my birthday and the cutoff was. And then I was a grade ahead because it was just so easy that they bumped me. So I was 11 years old when I was in let's see, was that grade six, seven class? And let's see some of my report cards from that. I had 97, 98, 85. That's art. That's an easy one. Bible, 186. That's an easy one. Cap, again, an easy one. But PE, <laughs> 75%. Um, I didn't do so well in PE. Science was 74, 79, 88. Socials was 80, 86, 84. I was a B to A student. But honestly, like my average was like 89. I was not some like honor roll amazing student. Here's some of the some of the notes that teachers had for me in grade six. Um, this was one of the other times that I went to school. So I was homeschooled all the way until, but now I'm in, in class again. Um, okay, I'm looking through excellent student, good work habits. Jessica, oh cool. My, my PE teacher put my sister's name. <sighs> okay, she needs to be better prepared for quizzes. Yeah, I hated quizzes. What else do we have? I'm scrolling through. Um, there was a comment about PE, but I don't know if I can find it now. I see one, two. Huh. Well, apparently I didn't take a picture of that one. Anyways, my PE teacher said that I basically lacked 
drive in my PE. I was not doing very well in that, which you know what, to this day, I'm still the person that like sits down a lot, a lot. I'm not a super active person. I did not really enjoy sports. That was not my forte, my strength or my passion. So in when I was 11 years old, I wrote this story. And again, I'm going to read it. And I'm reading it for a couple of, of key reasons that we're going to get it going to get into at the end. This story is called Michael the Mischievous. I wrote it in 98. I was born in 87. So I am pretty much exactly 11 years old at this point. One day, as Michael was sitting around and doing nothing, he had a magnificent idea. I need to get a job, he thought. Michael had just gotten back from his last day of school and was bored. Michael was 14 and lived on an old deserted road in Edmonton. Okay, sorry, this page that I took a picture of is folded. Michael loved animals, so he wanted to get a job including them. So Michael sat down and thought. There were weird thoughts and scary thoughts. But one particular thought went through his head that he really liked. I'll get a job in the zoo, he pondered. It was the perfect day to start on that warm summer morning, so Michael decided to start right away. Mother, Michael asked so politely that Mother knew something was up. I was wondering if I could get a job, Michael coolly questioned. It depends on what kind of job you want to get, Mother queried. Well, I want to get a job in the zoo, Michael replied. The zoo. Michael, you're way too young to work in the zoo, Mother exclaimed. Mother, I'm 14, Michael whined. I'll tell you what, Michael. You can ask the zookeeper today, and if he lets you, or if he says yes... You can, Mother informed. Oh, thank you, Mother, Michael yelled as he ran out the door. Wait, Michael, you'll need money for lunch and a bus to the zoo, Mother bellowed. It's okay, that's all ready. Bye, Mom. Michael finally reached the zoo and looked around for the zookeeper. Mr. Zookeeper, Mr. Zookeeper, Michael loudly requested. All of a sudden, Michael had an idea. Maybe he'll let me work if I show him how good I am with animals. So Michael grabbed a toothbrush and went to the polar bear cage. Everyone watched Michael as he walked in, but Michael just kept on walking, opened the polar bear's mouth, stuck his head in, and started brushing his teeth. By now, the polar bear was tired of holding his mouth open, and of course, he was getting hungry. He was about to snap it shut when the zookeeper saw him. Young lad, get out of that cage quickly. The zookeeper rushed through the crowd, and opened the cage, and not bothering to close it, and grabbed Michael just in the nick of time. Then, leaving the toothbrush behind him, he towed Michael out of the cage by his ear. What were you doing in that cage? How did you get in? And where's your mother? The zookeeper asked in a rush. One at a time, Mr. Zookeeper. I've been looking for you. I would like a job and thought if I showed you how good I was with animals, you would give me a job. The cage was open because they were being fed and my mother isn't here, Michael replied. How old are you? The zookeeper coolly questioned. I'm 14, sir, Michael replied again. Okay, you can have a tryout, but just for today, the zookeeper slowly mumbled. Thank you very much, sir, Michael exclaimed. But young man, next time, don't go into the polar bear cage, the zookeeper advised. Yes, sir, Michael happily assured as he ran off to the monkey cage. I'll move the monkeys to a play area, Michael ordered himself. So one by one, he put the monkeys in a warm, grassy area to play. All of a sudden, Michael heard a huge commotion with many screeching monkeys. He ran to see what it was, but he saw something that made him gasp. Get those monkeys out of that rhino cage, Michael heard someone yell. So Michael put all the monkeys back one by one. 
Please, young man, leave. You have caused too much trouble. I could get fired, you know, the zookeeper asserted. But Michael wasn't about to leave yet and told the zookeeper, You promised the whole day, Michael stated. Indeed I did, but I don't think I can last that long with you. Now be gone, the zookeeper hissed quietly. So Michael left to the gorilla cage, where he saw a baby sitting on the bench all alone. He decided to take him to the lost and found. Very soon, five mothers marched in with their fists held high. Then what must have been the mother of the baby slapped him in the face and took the baby with her as she and the four other women marched out. The zookeeper was the first to find out. You've ruined my career, you miserable brat. Sorry, guys. The zookeeper thundered. You promised the whole day, Michael started. Didn't you say you loved animals? The zookeeper asked. Yes, Michael said. What's your favorite? The zookeeper demanded. Well... I like the dog, but Michael started, okay, a dog it is. Pick one right here, the zookeeper impatiently said. I'll pick this one, Michael said. You promise the door's over here. Bye, the zookeeper said as he ushered Michael out the door. Michael lived happily ever after and named his dog Mr. Zookeeper. Okay, so I am reading this to you. <laughs> This long-winded story. Wait, wait. Seriously, though, you have to see this story on my blog because this story, I was 11. Okay, this is the other one I sat down, I showed my kids, and I was like, A, none of your printing is this neat. Okay, we need to talk about that. Look at my printing. Now let's look at yours. And then I sat down. It was like, this is the amount that I wrote. Now let's go see, like, why you cry when I ask you to write a paragraph. Okay, so I had a wonderful discussion with them about um, work ethic and how they needed to step it up <laughs> but I really I really the most important thing that I gathered from this was I uh, later on down the road I was homeschooled again later on down the road I went to school for grade 11 and 12 and I didn't get phenomenal grades partly I didn't try very hard partly it wasn't my passion I remember um, history I think I barely passed I just didn't care I did not care it was just memorizing dates I was not some a plus amazing student that went forth to go get amazing degrees and and do all these things but that meant nothing and had absolutely no impact on my my brain on who I was on my ability to think articulate or communicate I was a smart kid who would have been totally unrecognized in the school system because of the way the school system is designed and laid out. I didn't try my best. I didn't put forth my best. I wanted to do at my own pace at what I wanted to do. And the measurement of the school system, according to that, did not fit me. It did not fit me. It's that whole thing of like Albert Einstein when he says, you know, if you measure a fish by its ability to climb a tree, right? Like, like, it didn't fit me. That that whole thing. And as I sat here looking through report cards of basically, you know, my failings and what I didn't do well at and my weaknesses and 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 I wasn't strong in these areas and areas that I wasn't recognized for that are to this day my greatest strength. My greatest strength. I realized something. I realized that the way that we measure our kids, it really actually doesn't matter. The approach to our school system of read, write, memorize, read, write, memorize, regurgitate information, what can come in, what can come out, that is how we decide how smart you are. It's broken. It's a model that fails. It's a model that doesn't work. Your ability to remember something and, and just regurgitate it does not make you smart. That means you have a good memory that you have fashioned. It, it means you can follow rules. 
congratulations. It does not mean that you have the ability to think critically for yourself, that you're thinking of different angles. It doesn't mean that, that you are, are smart. That is not how we determine somebody's IQ or brain ability. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking of all these things or even times that, you know, my own kids, Caleb is for sure one of my, Caleb and Aliyah are my strongest writers. They are like me. I look at their writing. It's like mine when I was a kid. It is, it's out of the box. It is, it's unique. It makes you laugh. It pulls you in. And is it, is it perfect? Absolutely not. It's full and literate of mistakes, but that's not the point. The point is, of course, they're going to have mistakes. They're young and they're still learning. I remember once my daughter was kind of graded on her on her writing and it was you know her her she loves to write but she writes in run on run on sentences man i need a drink i'm gonna sip really cold disgusting tea one second all right she writes in run on sentences i'm sitting there like uh uh-huh she's six of course she writes in run on sentences. That's actually totally normal for her age. So why are we bringing that up and why are we grading her on that or why are we giving her less than based on that? If you want her to not write in run on sentences, then basically what we're saying is, here is the model that I want. I want you to create this sentence and now write it on a piece of paper. Congratulations, you get an A because you fit the box of what a sentence is supposed to look like. Are you serious? That's what we're teaching kids about writing? Absolutely not you guys that is not good writing that teaches them structure and form but that doesn't actually take them very far and it kills their natural desire to want to write see the run-on sentences are beautiful because it means you have lots to say and i can teach you where to put a period and i can teach you how to expand upon that and i can teach you how to make it more interesting and add more interesting words but the point here is that you are actually a gifted writer and the fact that you're using run-on sentences or not proper punctuation or you're not capitalizing where you should that is not how i'm going to measure you because you're six and of course you're not going to write where you should. Of course you're not going to, according to what? Based on what? Based on an um, adult model of what, what you should be doing? Or based on some regurgitated, they need to have learned this and I want to see it on a piece of paper. And if they do, boom, they get an A. It's ridiculous. You guys need to see this from this perspective because somebody who said that I, my greatest weakness was writing and I turned out to actually, and even at that point, though my writing was horrible, if you, and I, you'll go to my blog and you'll see it, terrible spelling, terrible organization, but I had the framework there of original thought and thinking and expanding on not just taking something and articulating or regurgitating it. I had something original there. And instead of pouring into that, the, the model of education today, the perspective of learning says that doesn't fit into our box therefore you are weak in this you don't meet expectations in this and yet to this day you guys I am a writer I speak internationally I I've I've authored many different books I'm creating curriculum this is my strength this is my greatest strength and it was never recognized in the school system it wasn't so I say this all to you to encourage you to encourage you that even now I've got kids that are behind, I've got kids who struggle, I've got kids who who aren't, you know, probably meeting expectations according to that. I've got others that are ahead, that are advanced, that are more like I was as a child. They're going to learn and develop at their own pace and they're going to find things that are going to capture their interest and they're going to run after those things. My younger brother growing up, he had dyslexia, he struggled, he didn't read till he was like grade four. He was not a strong writer. He was not strong in anything other than math. He just didn't care that much about school. He did the bare, absolute bare minimum to get by. 
But when he graduated and when he got a job and we started working in the oil field and when he started learning about, you know, welding and mechanics and, and all these different types of things, he ended up rising to the top, taking all sorts of different courses. And that guy can fix anything. He can do anything. He could take any test that he possibly needed. He understands things from all different angles. He can see pictures of how anything works. He could fix anything in your house. He could fix. He has a brain that is marvelous. He's one of those jack of all trades and that would never have and never was recognized in a school setting. In a school setting, you don't match up. In a school setting, you're not smart. And yet in a world setting, he is achieving anything he wants. He could do anything he wants and he knows it. He knows it. We have to shift our perspective of education. We have to shift our perspective of education. What we measure our kids by is meaningless. I'm, I'm really saying that it truly, truly, truly is meaningless. Grade 10, 11, 12, when they need to get into the college or university they want to get into, sure. If that's your goal and if that is their goal, then they're going to do it because they want to go somewhere. But all the way up until that point, you guys... It's about learning how to learn. It's about running with your own unique who you are. And for a lot of kids, it's not going to be college and university. It's going to be that unique way their brain works that they're going to go into a trade or they're going to become artists or they're going to become famous musicians or they're going to become men and women of God who are going to be world changers. But if we are so focused on just boxing them in to this little thing of this is what you need to be. This is who you need to be. This is how I measure success because we are so boxed into that. You guys, you guys, this is so important and it's so easy. It's so easy to get sucked into the message of the world and the enemy comes and he brings self-doubt and he brings all these things. I am not immune to it. I know this stuff. I grew up with this stuff. I am a walking, living testimony of this story. And yet the enemy comes to me and niggles under, underneath my skin and says, you're not enough. You're not doing enough. You need to do more. Your kids are falling behind. This one doesn't even know their letters and sounds. Look at that writing when you were that age. Your kids aren't even where you were. They need work. They need help. You need to be doing more and investing more. I'm not immune to it. I'm not immune to it, so I'm not judging you and saying if you feel this way, you're wrong. I'm saying this is a lie. We need to shift our perspective and we don't just need to do it today. We need to do it today and we need to do it in an hour and we need to do it in another hour and we need to do it again tomorrow because it's going to be something constant because we live in a culture. We are literally counterculture. If we truly want to see that and we want to envision what true brilliance is and we want to find that in our kids, where's your area of brilliance and how can we build into that? Then we have now become counterculture because the culture doesn't care about that. All the culture cares about is can you fit in my box? Can you regurgitate the information I put into you because I have a conveyor belt here and I want to pump you out for one specific purpose so you are mediocre and you are on this middle line and that is all they're interested in. That's it. Can you fill out a form? Great, because you're going to be a blue collar and we need more blue collars than anyone else. So we're not interested in greatness. And let me tell you, I have a child who has significant challenges. And one day, maybe I'll get to talk about those. But I have a child who has significant challenges, who does not do well in school, who does not articulate her thoughts well, who is, is not strong in any academic area. But I have this deep confidence in my heart that there is a brilliance in her that is going to come out that she is going to just find her one area and she is going to shine. And there is nothing that will be able to hold her back. Absolutely 
nothing. She is going to blow me away. That is the only expectation I have of my daughter is that I am positive. I am certain that she is going to blow my expectations because it's not about whether you pass that test, whether you do well in school. It's about what God made you, what he put into you. And there is something in you. And I am so excited to see what that is. And so I'm not going to ground you and I'm not going to smother you and I'm not going to push on you and I'm not going to harp on you to, to continue to do what I expect you to do based on my own sense of pride or my own expectations or my own fears or my own insecurities. I'm going to fight. I'm going to push against it. I'm going to ask God what he has for you. I'm going to ask God what he has for my family. I'm going to seek that first. And every day I'm going to reset my expectations to line up with what I know I am called to do. So that is what I wanted to leave you guys with today. I wanted to give you a glimpse of, of, of where I am today versus where I was then and to maybe take some of that pressure and help you shift your own perspective. I'm going to post pictures of all of this stuff. I don't even, my parents don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to post pictures of all of this stuff up on my blog. Um, so you guys can go ahead and watch or come to homeschoolon.com. Go to podcast in the menu and you'll be able to see that. I also am going to post a story that I wrote when Caleb and Sayla were babies. So that would have been before I was a blogger. And by the way, even as a blogger, I consider blogging like my further education <laughs> because I, I was already passionate about writing and I was good at writing. But through just writing, I became better. I became better and better and better. And now looking back at my own, my old stuff, I just, I'm like, I kind of cringe inside a little bit. But I wrote this, this thing, this little ditty. It's just a day in the life of what it was like that day. It was a Sunday and it was with my son and my, my little baby daughter. They were both babies at the same time. They were 11 months apart. It was chaos and my kids loved it. So if you want to read your kids a story, go read that to them. They will absolutely die laughing. But I read this to my kids and I realized this is the full journey. This is the full journey where I wrote as a six-year-old and where I wrote as an adult. And now you want to see where I write today, go and read a Christmas lesson or something like that. And you'll see where I read today or how I write today. My writing has grown and developed as I have grown and developed. And it will continue to because, hey, just because I've reached adulthood doesn't mean that I've arrived anywhere. You're going to spend your whole life continuing to grow and learn and develop. So, so I wanted to show you that today. I wanted to show you the whole range and give you hope. I wanted to give you hope that this journey that you are on, though you may feel tired, though you may feel like it's, it's long, though you may feel like you are not equipped, you are equipped because God equips you. And that, that it is not about what your eyes see. Really, 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 it is not. My daughter right now is six years old, my youngest one. I'm not talking about the one who was six when that report kind of came out. Um, my daughter, who is now six, she does not know her letters and sounds. She's going to be going into grade two. <laughs> she doesn't know her letters and sounds. She's not there yet. And I am so unconcerned about it. I really am. I am completely unconcerned about it because I see the way her little brain works. She's a smart cookie and it's going to come when it comes. So why am I going to kill myself or kill her natural desire? She loves school. She loves it because I never make it a pressure. You don't want to do it? Okay, go play. Go play Lego. Go do something else. I don't care. Great, because I have 8 billion other things to do. You guys, this pressure that we live with, it's not serving our kids and it's not serving us. It's not serving our kids and it's not serving us and it's not leading us and pointing us into the life that God has for us. It's not leading us into the life abundantly that God has for you. So that is my encouragement for you. I'm going to bless you and pray for you. 
And then I'm going to put my kids to bed because it's nine o'clock. Oh my goodness. God, I thank you for everybody who is listening today. I thank you for where you brought me. I thank you that my testimony is not one of, hey, I was a top A student. I was so incredibly brilliant and look where I am today. No, my testimony is that I was not, that I had weaknesses, that I had weaknesses in my character, that I had weaknesses in my writing, that I had weaknesses in all areas. And yet you are faithful and yet you are good. And yet because I was able able to be protected in this environment of homeschooling because I was able to flourish and grow at my own pace because I was able to run after things that I was passionate about and I wasn't held back and I wasn't limited and I wasn't looking at report cards or grades that were always holding me back or limiting me to some sort of a level of this is what success meant God because of that you have made me into who I am today. And I thank you for every single parent that is out there that is listening right now that may be discouraged, that may be frustrated, that may be feeling like they are not doing it, that they're not cutting it, that that there's better for their kids out there, that they're failing in some way. God, I thank you for them and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I speak life over them. I speak hope over them. I speak joy over them, over their kids, over their homeschool. May they find the peace and the life abundantly that you promise and that you have for them. May they reach out and grab it. Reach out and grab it because it is there for the taking. And may you help them, Jesus, to let go. Let go of the expectation and the pressure and the worries and the insecurity and the fear because you say that that does not come from you. I bless them. I bless their children. I bless their marriages. I bless their finances. I bless their homes. May their homes be a place of peace and abundance and life. And I just thank you for what you are doing and what you are accomplishing, God, even in this difficult season. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, tune in again whenever I go live (laughs) again. But I hope you guys were blessed and encouraged. And like I said, this is all going to be on my blog. If you are curious, if you are are feeling like you are just stuck in this mode of doing school the way you were taught, of the read and write, of the regurgitative information, I created a curriculum based on what God literally gave to me, the whole vision and picture of it called Gather Round Homeschool. And this curriculum is basically the antithesis of the current model of education. It is the absolute opposite of what is required and what is taught and what is 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 taught as normal. It is everything different. It is a one to two hour gather together family style, God in the middle of everything, all your subjects interconnected, all your grades, all your kids together. It will take that pressure off, that expectation off. You will find joy and peace in your homeschool. And I'm telling you, I have put my heart and my soul into this, my passion into this and I truly believe that God laid it on my heart for a reason. You can find free whole week samples that you can go and try. You don't even have to buy. Don't buy my curriculum. If you're in a tight spot, if it's a goal, just try free samples. You can try free samples of it. You can see what it's like for yourself. You can just take a week off and see what homeschooling can be like. And if you have questions, feel free to email me. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. I would love for you to share or subscribe and I will let you guys go. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening.